From a wide range of embroidery classes to talks and special events, Royal School of Needlework's International Summer School offers so much. Immerse yourself in the world of the RSN with its world-renowned tuition and treat yourself to this Festival of Stitch in July and August 2024. The Royal School of Needlework is offering four ways to get involved this year. You can join the International Summer School on-site at Hampton Court Palace and at the Royal School of Needlework Durham in the UK, as well as Lexington, Kentucky in the United States of America. There are also online classes available live so students can join in anywhere from around the world. There's a wonderful variety of techniques to explore for those who are starting out on their hand embroidery journey all the way through to advanced stitches. So whether you want to follow a kit-based design, explore your own creativity using your own materials in a more contemporary way, or focus on developing your personal design skills, there will be a class that appeals to you. The Royal School of Needlework International Summer School classes will provide experienced stitchers with an opportunity to engage in a longer or more advanced project while allowing those newer to the world of hand embroidery to try a shorter course to build and develop their skills. The full list of classes and more information about the Royal School of Needlework International Summer School is available at royal-needlework.org.uk with special offers for booking multiple classes and an early bird booking price available until the 29th of February 2024. Whether you're planning on attending in person, online, or a combination of the two, this is a fantastic opportunity to improve your stitching skills from one of the best schools in the world. Per Farga is a Swedish needlepoint artist who recreates video games from the 1980s and 1990s in large-scale needlepoint works. Pear's work is fantastic. There's been such a tradition of video game cross-stitch, video game needlepoint, the way these two pixelated art forms have intersected. And Pear's work is something that seems to have elevated beyond the sort of amateur craft scene. At the moment, he has an exhibition called Soft Pixels 2, which is running until the 7th of April. We talk about that. There's a link to in the show notes to that particular show. Um, but it was great to talk to Pear because he sat inside this gallery where all his work was displayed and we talked about how his passion for pixel art began as a child and how the evolution and the way that he has become a needlepoint artist has been something that seems to have just been reinforced by destiny, quite frankly. Pear's a very engaging artist. Uh, he's a self-confessed nerd and yet his passion for the tradition of video games and for the tradition of needlepoint is incredibly strong. I will be back next week with a second part of his interview, but I'm sure you'll enjoy talking to him. And if you do enjoy the show, it would be fantastic if you're able to share it with somebody else who likes this kind of thing. So for now, here's Pear Farga, and I'll see you next time. Enjoy the show. So here you are then sitting in a gallery of your work soft pixels runs from the 3rd of february to the 7th of april 2024 yes. yes tell me about the show so this show so i'm sitting in jävle Centrum, and jävle is a city one and a half hour north of stockholm so and they have this it's a museum or art art place so uh, this exhibition was previously in another city 
uh, of Sweden, and after this, it will move on to another, yet another city. So it's like a touring exhibition. Uh, so what we did for for this show was that we used uh, the works from the previous exhibition, and then we added some other works uh, from previous. Uh, works I've done previously. So it's a mix. And we also painted the room. It's mm. completely crazy. So now this is the gray part, but then it's, it's, uh, you can see there's some pink over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. purple. Yeah, yeah. It's completely crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, yeah. you've arrived when an art gallery lets you paint the walls. You know, you're doing all Oh, right yes. <laughs> I think when the, the sort of imagery I do, it will always be kind of, uh, uh, it's not going to be clean and and uh, and uh, balanced. It's always going to be too much because of the coloring and the way these video game images are. So we might as well go all the way and do something completely crazy to kind of create this atmosphere. Yeah, I love it. I love that there's a playfulness because if there's one thing I've observed about you, it's just that playfulness is your thing. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thank you for noticing that. I, I realized quite early, I studied fashion in Stockholm and I realized really early that being into cool fashion was not me. So I started working with kidswear uh, and I, then after that I worked as a graphic designer for Lego in Denmark. So that kind of suited me, my playful spirit. Yeah. Maybe not as a person, but you know, what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And you're still, you're still doing designs now, aren't you? You're like a sort of pre Yeah, on and off. On and off, on and off. So right now I'm privileged to be working with the Needleworks uh, full-time. Right. Uh, I've been doing that before for three years. Drove me crazy. <laughs> so mm. I need to kind of alternate and do something something else in between. But I love to stitch. I admire the fact that you've got a gallery show and that you're not furiously making things for it, like in the weeks leading up to it or anything like that. I love the fact that you've gone... I was wondering whether you were just like last minute, like, oh my God, I had this idea for a piece. I'm going to like. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not like that at all. And I'm really structured when I work. And also because this is so time consuming, of course, you know this and mm. the people watching this obviously understand that. So there's not really room for improvisation for me. So I have a plan, I stick to it. And then I make these little kits for myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's just a matter of, uh, grinding it through and getting it done. So these big pieces, that's like three, four hundred hours to complete. But I am quite fast now because I've been doing this for so long time. So you get more efficient. You do, you <laughs> <luckily>. do. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> imagine somebody's never encountered your work before. Please give me like the official. This is what my work about storyline. So what I do is I make these uh, needlepoint works based off of. Uh, video game pixel graphics and these video games are from the 80s and 90s mm. mostly so it's a lot about uh, a lot about uh, nostalgia and also these characters and these worlds uh, that bring me so much happiness in my life and also has been a source of inspiration for me so i want to share that and at the same time i've always had a, a textile interest since i was a kid so that has been with me also. So it's two interests fusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I read a story that said that when you were a kid, you would copy pixelated images off the telly. Yes. Oh, you read that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's exactly what I did. So I spent 
my nose was was touching the TV, <laughs> and I think that's around that time that I uh, need to to get glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so uh, that happened quickly. No, but I I drew these on graph paper. These pixel characters. So there was something about that grid uh, that uh, fascinated me. And also uh, in Swedish school, we have textile class. Right. I, I know that's pretty unique uh, for Sweden. Uh, and and uh, so you, I was being taught different stitches. And there was something about stitching on this, you know, like even weave cloth. Mm -hmm. That's also a grid. So there's something about grids and systems that attract me. And it's an interesting uh, correlation that it exists both in these pixel images and also in needlepoint. And you, so you were actually a really early adopter of this idea because now it's kind of quite a known thing, isn't it? Yeah, Video yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah. A lot of people do it. What I would argue is that my works are the biggest in the world in cross-stitch. No one else does this in this scale. So that's kind of my little bubble mm. <laughs> where I where I operate. Yeah. But uh, it's so great to see people making these connections and also people reaching out to me. I'm not saying I was the first one, but it's it's it means a lot to hear like from young kids saying that they've seen this and they wanted to try it and that became their entry into needleworks. Mm. So of course you have also influenced a lot of people. So you know it's really that means the world. Yeah. It really does. Did you take part in the Sprite Stitch forums when they were a thing? No, I think I saw a bit of it. I think a long time ago, I even sent them some pictures, but <laughs> they didn't respond. Right, yeah. So I don't know. I, I have no idea. What I tend to do when I work creatively is I tend not to look at uh, works that are too similar to what I do. Mm. So I... To me, it's a better creative environment, not knowing what other people do. So I want to be in my own bubble as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. it's just funny because it's like that was a little a little zeitgeisty moment there for that overlap really strongly. And it was a shame that that forum didn't really last. But I know that like mm. Lord Liberdan, you know, he was heavily involved in that. John, who did uh, Star Wars Cross Stitch, like they, they oh, had yeah. that thing. And what's fascinating to me then is that's, come and gone and while like like you say people are still doing video game cross stitch now you're you're here and now you're kind of like you're the man <laughs> yeah I, I don't know <laughs> what i, what I do know is i will never stop doing this i will always do this so even though if i don't do it full time i will never ever stop and the good thing is that this whole hobby as we all know it's something that we usually associate with older people doing it mm. so the older i get the more correct it is for me <laughs> to be sitting with this right, right. so i'm yeah. growing into it yeah so 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 it's really it's a it's a it's a cool journey <laughs> to be on the the thing that I've, i also find interesting now is that it's much more nostalgic you know because yeah. they don't really make games like this anymore i mean maybe they still do but they're kind of retro inspired yeah, 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 exactly. But it's almost like you're now documenting a slice of history, aren't you? Uh, in some way, yes. But the thing is that video gaming, just like movies and music, is just so much. So I work with my games, and that's, you know, one little part of it. But then there's like an infinite amount of other games that 
doesn't mean that much to me. So mm. that's why I don't do those games, but they mean a lot to other people. So in that sense, you know, it's possible to do this and do this many works with completely different games because there's so much reference. Uh, so I operate in my bubble, bubble, and it tends to be the cute mm -hmm. <laughs> characters. <laughs> That's what I like, and also color, of course. So uh, yeah, but that but that's the thing, isn't it? Is you're now curating your part of the video game sphere because you're just choosing the the stories yes. and the moments that yes. have meaning to you. Yes, exactly. So that's really the foundation. So people sometimes ask me, uh, do you want to do like a commission work? And I tried it one time and I just wanted to try it. But that was a game I didn't know about and it, it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> so I just became like a stitching machine. Mm. <laughs> that was not very, you know, it was fine. But, but uh, I don't know. I'm privileged to be able to choose my own motifs. So of course... That's what I'm going to continue to do as long as possible. But if I'm, you know, if I'm <laughs> outright poor and have nothing left, then maybe I can stitch for money. <laughs> maybe there's something for you as well. When, yeah, yeah. When, when it, it all goes, goes south, yeah. yeah, we're going to stitch for money. <laughs> we'll just be a couple of old duffers sat on a <laughs> yeah, bench yeah, yeah. in like just Brussels or something. <laughs> like You're on a piece of yeah, so that's my backup plan in life, I guess. What? So... You kind of you did your first piece in two thousand and eight. Yeah. This is what you've said. How? Yes. So how did you come to get to that point? What was it? Where was the? Did you do like small pieces just for your own personal, or did you go mm, just going to go big straight away? I wanted to go big straight away, and this was when I was studying. So I studied, as I said, fashion on Beckmann's College of Design in Stockholm. It's like Saint Martin's, but in Sweden, in a way. So that was really cool, amazing experience. But when you study it kind of takes up your whole life. So you do it around the clock. So I wanted to do something for myself in that period of time. And then I had this idea that I wanted to do uh, cross-stitch work uh, from a video game. And I wanted to do something big. Mm -hmm. So that's what I know I wanted to do. And then I started this project. It was a background from a video game. So I removed all the characters and it was just like a horizon with clouds. So it's basically like a natural scenery. If you don't know it, you don't know it's a game. But that's what I wanted to do. So I started that and then that took two years because I went on and off and I didn't know uh, why I was doing it. But I knew I wanted to complete it, mm. right? So as soon as that was finished, uh, there was new other games I wanted to do and there was other techniques I wanted to explore. So like many people, I started off with like strands of cotton, but mm. then I wanted to move on to wool. So wool is what I work with now mm -hmm. almost entirely. Uh, and also both cross stitch, but also like long stitch and different techniques that you can do with that yarn. Mm. So I made a couple of works. And at that time, I bought my yarn in a shop in Stockholm where I lived at the time. And I became friends with the owner yeah. <laughs> because I spent a lot of time there. Mm. A lot of us do that, I think. <laughs> you, you know, you go there, you order yarn and, you know, you talk about what you do. So she said, did you want to exhibit these works in my window? Uh, and I was like, no, that's embarrassing. Why would I do that? <laughs> Why would I share this nerdy hobby? But I did it anyway. People encouraged me. And then after a couple of days, she said, there's someone who wants to talk to you. 
uh, and that was a gallerist who passed that shop every day on the way to work. Wow. And he could see something in what I did. So that was a fluke. And I'm glad I took that tiny opportunity <laughs> to show my works in that window. So that's, where I that's what I always tell people. You never know what opportunities will lead to something. So to me, that was the beginning of a more than 10-year-long collaboration. And that's what led me here to be able to have a museum exhibition with my works. And I know this is so specific what I do that this is really a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing quite like the universe going, come on, son, and you like <laughs> bumping into someone who had a gallery within like six yeah. months of putting yourself out there. That's it's amazing. like a story. It's like a fairy tale. It so. is, it is. The thing I love, so I'm going to butcher this, Saiken Densetsu Yeah, that's the first one. 2009. Yes, yes. The thing I love about it, as you said, is you didn't put the characters in it. So you just kind of did this landscape that could have kind of been anywhere. <laughs> And in a way, yes. I think that's kind of genius. Yeah. Why it's something else. Yeah. Why did you choose to take the characters out? I don't know. That was just the first idea. And I wanted to do the background. I don't know. I, I had no idea why I did that. I, I, the backgrounds in that game are gorgeous, mm. of course. The game came out pretty late in the life cycle. So they could really optimize and do a lot with the hardware. So the game looks absolutely gorgeous. So I guess I wanted to do the background, but I don't have a good explanation. It's just, I don't know. Just... And I've done that on another series that we showed in uh, New York on the um, art fair, Volta art fair. And then I did more backgrounds from games. But the challenge then was to make people understand what this is. Mm. So I kind of realized that I, I did this backwards. So I should have started with these really, you know, you see it's a game. Yeah. So it's easy to understand. And then I can remove objects and do the background. So. No, but I think that's, that's the smarts. Yeah, like the Mega Man one you did, which is yeah. just basically a collection of brown clouds with a sort of horizon. <laughs> in the middle yes. Of and it's, you like that one, yeah? Yeah, cool. but, but what I love, and so so I did an interview a little while ago with Manya Goldman, and she's a needlepoint artist, and she um, does portraits, you know, they're sort of to do with photographs and stuff, but there's one piece in particular called Sliding, and about half of the entire piece is just background, and it's mm. just this single colour, and she's deliberately done that because that's the way she wants to frame it. And yeah. I think that that... That's fascinating. And that's why those pieces are fascinating to me because you've gone mm. backgrounds. And, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot to be said for it because obviously there's people who make the video games who put all this effort into the backgrounds and we don't see them because we're too busy looking at the little pixels punching each exactly. other in the face. And that's, exactly. that's the homage. But at the same time, I think it just takes a lot of nerve to just go and do backgrounds because of the sheer workload it takes to do them. Like that Mega Man thing, would have driven most people nuts, I think, because it's just deep browns all day long. Yeah, what right? the hell is that? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> kind of crazy fool does that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was it like to make those pieces? I really, really enjoyed it. And to me also, I'm not, I'm not an art student. I'm a designer student. So I don't really have that artist background like most people do in the art world. So, but I have a little bit of knowledge about art and I really, really appreciate the romantic period when they did these landscapes and, and kind of kitschy, mundane 
everyday scenes mm. that sometimes can be perceived as like kitschy art, but I really, really, really like it. And they, it was all about the drama of nature and and the and the horizons and clouds and all of that. So doing these backgrounds uh, was inspired by that art movement, and especially the one you talk about, Mega Man. It's really these dramatic. Uh, dark clouds mm. that's so iconic for the romantic uh, period of, of painting so I felt like I was being a part of history <laughs> in a way Yeah. so no. that was really, I really enjoyed that because that's the thing, you have those pastoral scenes don't you, and you see, I don't know the English countryside and ooh a watermill yes. and all those kind of things and yes. then you do. I mean, my video game like history is kind of diverse i suppose it's petered out now but i did complete final fantasy 7 after 150 hours or whatever and i know that that one's a corker you know and 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 i think that's the thing is you suddenly realize that there's so much love put into the work and some of it is so you know whether it's the architecture of a building or the design of a piece of transport Mm. or the way they made Mm. an animal that Mm. you you kind of gloss over it after a while because you're playing the game but as you find with needlework when it's used to capture any kind of moment, the reframing of it in a needlework context stops and makes people think about it a lot more. Exactly. So it's been, to me, video games has meant a lot, as I said in the beginning. So one part of this project is to uh, to to make this uh, visible, these little details. So what I do, I know I take these frames out of context but these frames, just like you say, they flicker by in an instant and then they are gone forever. So in a way, when you play the game, obviously. So what I do is I take this freeze frame and then I make it permanent in the most horrible way possible. <laughs> but that's, you know, I'm setting it in stone in a way mm. by doing these stitches. Because once you've done it, it's there forever. You can't deny it. So mm. it's permanence as video game opposed to video games that are transient medium so it just flickers by mm. so this is really the core of what i do so you hit the nail on the head there jamie <laughs> yes thank you they're also um in the same way as the bayer tapestry and some of these tapestries serve as mm. historical reminders you know we live in a world that's so dependent on electricity if we break it and there's no more electricity, there's no more video games. But thankfully, we'd still have your needle points to remind us of what the thing looked like, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a very depressing view. But so it's, the, it's the cave paintings of video yes, games. Yeah, <laughs> yes. The people will be gone, but the, the needleworks will be there as a reminder. Yeah. So I want to, to, you know, when I played video games as a kid and still it's, even though it's widespread today, it's still a bit of a niche interest in a way because either you know it or you have no relation to it whatsoever. It's not like, oh, I play once in a while. Either you know it or you don't. Mm. That's my experience of it. So I want to kind of flip that around and, and show how much this has meant to me, that, that this has a lot of meaning, a lot of depth, and this is also a culture that I'm representing by doing this. And the same goes for the needlework as well, because either you know it or you don't. You know, when I have kids coming to my shows, a lot of them, you know, they never picked up a needle and a thread. So I think it's really, I want to share that aspect of it as well. 
Mm. Because I think crafting is, is important. It's more important than ever to use your hands. Mm. I think yeah. it's really, we need that balance. And it's kind of funny because actually when you play video games, you know, like after I'd played Final Fantasy and I've, I finished it and then afterwards I was like, hooray. And then the credits came up and I sort of looked around at the world and realized not a lot of changed. But I'd literally <laughs> sp- also just spent 150 hours kind of wiggling my thumbs. I so, know. So in a way, like... The it's fa- also craft. You're crafting. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But, but there's something to be said for then saying to people, you know, why don't you use the rest of your hands? Why don't you get into something that's a bit more of a physical creative process? Hmm. not to kind of undervalue the things but i would hope that you kind of inspire people in both directions you exactly know, it's all right to exactly. do the video games and it's all right to have a go at needlework exactly uh, and both of them are tactile so it's about tactility hmm. touch so that it, 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 it they have a lot in common and and that's really fascinating and that's really what drives me in this process as well when you started doing, so you started out with Saiken, then Setsu, Setsu Third. Was that like, when this idea came out, you were like, 100% that's the first game I'm going to do. Do you have a list of games in your mind that you're working yes. through? Yes. And the good thing is, because I spent so much time making these uh, needleworks, uh, I have a lot of time to think. So once I'm done, it's like floodgates with new ideas right. that accumulated through all these hours of stitching. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's the wash, rinse and repeat cycle of my creative process. And it suits me in a way. And when comparing to working as a designer for a company, there is a lot, there's a long process of decision making. And then there's a short process of actually uh, doing these things and doing the job and drawing these characters or whatever you do. Uh, whereas in this, it's opposite. So the creative process, choosing the wor- uh, images is really short, mm. short and sweet. And then then it's this massive production process afterwards. So it's like complete opposite. But do you... so? Like, do you have a really, do you have like a photographic memory or something? I'm just wondering, like, when it comes to choosing the piece. So, for instance, one of yours I really like is like Master Blaster, because you've got a guy with his oh, car. yeah, the ending. Looking, yes. Yeah. Now, mm. does this mean that to to do it, to make the design now, you have to play the entire game and get to the end? Or, I don't know, how do you do it? You can, yeah, some games I do that. It depends on how much time I have. Right. So all these images are readily available, of course, today with the internet. When I grew up, we didn't have that. So then you had to take photos of the TV, I guess. It was mm. not at all as it is today. So some games I play, some games I extract what I need from them. Because, you know, I know I did one piece where I actually had to play for quite a long time to reach that it's the one with it's also second and set to three but right. it's with a big pumpkin and that was stressful because I, I didn't really have time and that's a shame because i love to play games but you know i don't have that much time anymore so hmm. that was a weird <laughs> feeling i don't have time to play games because i'm stitching these games yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. except a lot of time <laughs> yeah again one of those ones where here's my hobby i've turned it into something resembling a business it's not my hobby anymore yeah i turned it into a monster yeah exactly but i have when i start off i have these images in my head so everything kind of stems from nostalgia of mm-hmm. course yeah and sometimes you know uh, uh, nostalgia can be deceitful mm-hmm. so sometimes 
these old games that I haven't played for a while, uh, they are as I remember them, but sometimes it's completely opposite. And I was like, what the, what was this? Mm. How did I remember it like that? You know, so then I have to rethink the process. And it's a fun thing because I know there's a, a game now, uh, like a retro game. I think it was Shovel Knight or something. And the developer said that uh, we're not doing this as an 8-bit game. We're doing this as you remember the 8-bit games, ah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and that kind of, it's, it's similar to that. So that was fun to hear because it's really all about that. The difference is I can't change these images. So I need to just rethink. Mm, yeah. And then do you, I mean, for instance, if you choose a game like Trip World or something, do you mm. have an image in mind or do you go, I like that game. And then you see to image, find what images you can find. Rather oh than yeah. And that through. game specifically has so much different scenes. So I've done like seven works from it because it's just so much to pick because the game is so diverse and varied, the locations, the characters, so that's a unique game hmm. because otherwise, usually it's more or less the same. Uh, but Trip World, as you can see behind me, hmm. there's there's a lot of a lot of cute scenes. And even though I've done a lot, there's still more to do. Right. So sometimes I revisit games, but of course I want to do new things and 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 uh, surprise as hmm. well. Now I noticed spinning back through your Instagram that in 2020 you did an awful lot of monochrome. Like there was a lot of black and white and gray stitching. And I wondered mm. whether that was deliberate or whether that was circumstantial. I don't know. I was depressed, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't know. 2020, when was that? That was like was the COVID the... year, you know, so. Ah, COVID year. Mm, I don't remember. I did. Uh, oh, I don't remember what I did back then. Because I did the big ones. Right. I did these. And then I did a lot of Game Boy stuff. Yeah, and then after that, for now, I've been working a lot with 8-bit, so that's been kind of monochrome as well. Oh, and I did the other one, the early NES games. Right. Maybe that's the one with the black backgrounds? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was, so I've done 8-bit for a long time now. So now what I'm working on now currently is more complex work. And I really enjoy that, to have a lot of different colors and a lot of yarn and and uh, yeah, opposed to these clean images. Yeah, I just it just made me wonder. It's just like there's like in your on your gallery in your on your website, there's just like about nine or ten of them in a row, and it is kind of like yeah, a lot of them being Trip World. Quite frankly, is Trip World a black and white game or is that? Uh, it's from Game Boy, so it's was okay. like an LCD screen, so it's actually like greenish. Yeah, but I just made a decision to make them grayscale because it looks better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. just thought you were sort of like, and I mean, and, and that's the thing. Do you have several pieces on the go at once? Do you, are you able to like switch it out if you get a bit bored of doing a certain color or something? Yeah, usually. So uh, usually I have a studio, of course, to work in because these big works, I can't really do it at home. Hmm. Uh, but usually I work in the studio and I work from home. So I alternate between two uh, works at the same time. And, and that really takes the load off. Uh, one single project so to me that has been a benefit mm. and also as you say when i grow tired of one i just switch to the other so but the good thing now because i've been doing this for so many years mm. uh, i know that i will finish it in the beginning you know i was shaking <laughs> what have i started <laughs> yeah <laughs> will this ever end but now i know 
I will get through it and I can get through anything. So the only limitations are in my mind because I know I, I'm able to finish it and I will, I will go through this process. You're, you, you come across to me as somebody who is very measured, someone who knows their plan. I mean, are you able to go, I know I can do roughly this many stitches in a day and that that's fairly consistent so you can project manage in that kind of way? In a way, yes. And I have to do that now because this exhibition here, I was invited a couple of years ago to the first museum that did this. And then I had a year uh, to work and uh, I know I knew I wanted to do all new works. So I didn't want to borrow in old works. I wanted to do something new and cohesive as mm -hmm. well. So that's where I laid out the plan and, and uh, try to figure out how much can I manage in a year. So I made like 24 pieces, I think, in a year. And that was full time. Mm. So it's eight hours a day, minimum stitching for a year. Big old but, stitches uh, as well. Yeah. So that's kind of when I started time management for real, because I have to take that in account. I can't ignore it. I can't just do this when I feel like it. It's a job. Mm -hmm. Because the main thing is to get as many pictures out of my system <laughs> as possible <laughs> because I want to share as much share as much as possible when uh, I, I did a talk with the Royal School of Needlework a few years back and you've got these first year degree students and I was trying to impress upon them the importance of like stretching and how oh, you know yeah. and I just wondered like so for someone who spends eight hours a day stitching what are your pro tips to avoid like I don't know crippling yourself or going insane to me, I want to sit uh, comfortably. So what I do, I have this, you know, a scroll frame. Mm -hmm. So it's two round bars and then I roll it up. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I sit on a sofa with my knees up. And then I have this like on my knees. And I stitch uh, like this, mm. one hand above and one hand underneath. And many people ask me, is your body broken? <laughs> is your hand hands crippled? But I had more issues with my body when I was working in an office with mm. by the computer all day right. than I have now. So, but you should sit comfortably. You should not, you know, strain yourself. And also to me, sometimes I've done works where you hold it in the hand and go like this. Mm -hmm. Then I had cramps. So yeah. I can't do that because when they, the works are this vast, it's just too much time mm. to kind of grab the fabric like this. Have you ever... And in regards to stretching, you mean the yeah, just... mounting it? No, no, no. I mean, like, literally, like, just getting up and, like, straightening your back oh, out. Oh, stretch your body. Kind of I thought you meant stretching the no, works no, because no. that's also an issue. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And here, when I see some works, you know, there's immense powers mm. <laughs> in this material mm. because the canvas... It's not designed to 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 kind of uphold uh, these dimensions. Mm. So there's a lot of weird forces. And even though I have this these really thick wooden frames underneath, like a stretcher frame, it's still skewing mm. because the fabric, you know, it wants to to skew because the stitches are all diagonal. Mm. So. It's the forces of nature. <laughs> do you do anything like sort of steaming it or any of those kind of techniques to loosen yeah, things I, up? Yeah, I a bit? damp it. I damp it with water. So I, the big ones, I kind of make up as I go along how I stretch them. Mm -hmm. But it, now I made 
like a huge wooden frame that I drilled holes and then I put small like wooden pegs so I can put it put that in the canvas holes and stretch it mm -hmm. and then I dampen it a lot. Uh, but that's really I try new new techniques every time. Smaller works are super easy, but the big ones that's really you know I never know how it's gonna end up. Yeah, I don't know how much of a community of people there are that do needle points that are roughly five foot wide. Don't know how many other people <laughs> there are to query are there. <laughs> it's insane. You know, you've seen it sometimes when you leave the fabric as a background, but I never do that. So I always cover the whole thing. And I've never seen anyone do that in this scale. So I, I just have to make it up as I go along. Mm. That's a fun process, of course. Thanks for joining me on another Needle Exchange. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email hello at needle.exchange. That's N-W-E-D-L dot exchange with any thoughts, comments or feedback. And if you want to keep up with all the news, sign up to the Needle Exchange mailing list at bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash needle exchange. See you next time.